Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and you'll notice by the title um, that this is another compilation of our OCR shorts. This is the roughly eight or so, at the very least the first eight, that we've done this year. Um, and the reason I'm going with the shorts is we are about to go on a couple week hiatus, Um Jill and I will be in Greece for a couple weeks for a wedding that was supposed to happen back in 2020, but then COVID happened and then kept happening and kept happening and kept happening and kept happening. Uh, so we are now um, we are now finally going to this uh, destination wedding. It's going to be my first time in Greece. Um, I'm I'm actually really excited. All I know of Greece is from the Bible, uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So I'm pretty sure that that covers everything. Um, I don't think I need to look into anything more. I, I got my lessons on the the accurate depiction of that country from from those those three sources and those three sources alone. Um, <laughs> and um, so the next episode that we'll be dropping is going to be a re-release um, from our uh, just from our catalog because we are almost five years old, which is uh, which is bonkers. It's awesome, uh, and then we will be back with a brand new, fresh episode on July twenty fifth. Um, hope you all are being safe. I hope you enjoy this compilation. I like doing these uh, before breaks just because. Um, well, I did it around Christmas, and it's interesting, even though the majority of people who check us out are do so through the podcast, not everybody who checks out the podcast actually sees the shorts, and not everybody who checks out the shorts checks out the podcast, so it's it's just this fun way of being like, hey, you might be double dipping, but you also might not be, and this might be some brand new content, and... It's an interesting couple of uh, podcasts, just given what happened in uh, in Canada and the world this year, uh, starting in January. So you're going to hear an old man yelling at a cloud, and in my case, it's a middle-aged man, but you get what I'm going for, uh, along with several ranked um rankings of, of Batmobiles, of Power Ranger suits, of USS Enterprises, uh, with my brother Dave, um, and a lot of, a lot of interesting things. Um, so I hope you all enjoy. I hope you stay safe. Love y'all. Praying for y'all. Please keep me and Jill, uh, in your prayers for safety and just for mental health and all that good stuff. Um, also, since we're on hiatus, I would be a miss, remiss, whatever the heck the term is. Um, if I didn't wish uh, everyone in Canada a happy Canada Day on Friday, July 1st. And uh, I think the re-release, even though it's coming a week after, um, it's still just so close that I'm probably going to go with it. Maybe I won't. Actually, yeah. Uh, nah, nah, screw it. I'll go with it. Uh, it's just going to be right around Independence Day, so the week after. So happy Independence Day uh, to the former ungrateful colonies down in the United States. <laughs> Joking aside, I hope um, I hope my American listeners have a wonderful day, uh, a wonderful Independence Day. Hope you all are safe. Uh, praying for you all as well. All that being said, hope you enjoy this episode, hope you enjoy the re-release, and I'll see you audibly on uh, on July 25th. Take care, and uh, hope you enjoy the, the the compilation, and also hope you enjoy the, the new theme that we added partway through earlier this year. Uh, the shorts have their own theme song, so 
Hope you enjoy that as well. Take care and God bless my friends. Peace. is Chris and you're watching One Cross Video and I just had to shout out Japanese Spider-Man because he's awesome and today's short OCR short I'm actually recording while I'm on a break at work is in a way a continuation of the first episode that we dropped of this year uh, so we will be going back into spoiler territory of Spider-Man no way home because there is no way to talk about that movie without spoilers. So, uh, you'll see now rated S for spoilers. And then we're, I'm just going to give a couple seconds before we get in. So here we go in five, four, three, two. All right. So I'm hoping that if you are still here, uh, you, you saw the, the little picture saying rated S for spoilers. Uh, I had it in the title slide that there's more spoilers. I just don't want to ruin this for people. Um, because this is one where I think the least you know about it going into the theater, the more you will enjoy it. But there's uh, there's kind of a couple things where this is almost an impost where I realized like, hey, in the episode, I didn't mention this or I didn't mention that. And excitingly, uh, the episode did give me an idea for our next episode, but I'm not going to I'm not going to share that here. Uh, you'll just have to wait the couple weeks and my beard is a mess. Um, and you're seeing a mountain of Funko Pops behind me. They're dope. Um, <laughs> including Japanese... I, I'd grab them, but no, I'd knock it over. There's Japanese Spider-Man. There's Miles Morales. We're on theme. A bunch of Star Wars ones, too. Um, and a Dundee from my wife, Jill, because she's amazing. Um, anyways, okay, so the couple other things that I did miss from the episode that I didn't really talk about, that I kind of want to, is... Uh, one, I just briefly said, like, I, uh, I talked about Benedict Cumberbatch. I gotta give that dude all the props in the world as Doctor Strange. Like, he's so good for the role. Um, and so many times with that role, uh, there, there's of course the comedy and there, there's gonna be, there's like, even though they treat Doctor Strange as serious as they, as they should and can, there's a... There's a comedy to a character who's a wizard. There just is. <laughs> um, but there's moments where anybody who's been a fan of uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch for a while knows how good of an actor this dude is. And you get to see those moments in his performance, um, especially towards the end, as they are one more daying it. And he's like, he's realizing he's going to forget Peter. Um and the little, the the sadness that, the the tear in his eye and all that, like Benedict Cumberbatch is so good. And I like the almost buddy cop aspect of uh, of his and Peter's relationship. It was, it was such a nice addition to the movie that at first when we were seeing the trailers, it was kind of like, all right, cool, cool. It's going to be an odd couple, but cool they'll they'll make it work and they made it work even better than i thought they would so i just i just had to shout that out i i did not give give our boy benedict enough props sorry my beard is just a mess 
poof levels are very high and it's poofing out in weird ways. Um, the next uh, person I did, I can't believe I didn't shout out, um, is J.K. JK Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson. I loved that he was back. Now, I have, it's no secret my opinion of the same Remy movies, but J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson is just perfect casting. Um, and what I loved about his take in this movie is it wasn't, hey, we're getting J. Jonah Jameson that we got from the Sam Raimi movies. We were getting, I'll say, an almost original uh, J. Jonah Jameson, but it's very much in line with the characterization um, of the J. Jonah Jameson that Simmons plays in the excellent uh, Insomniac Spider-Man game and the, the Miles Morales spinoff. Um, he's very much in that zone um, or that uh, J. Jonah characterization and it's it's wonderful and I loved the addition in the movie and he's it's, it's so cool to see how he can give like different you've got a lot of ground with this different character and with this character and then that the actor can go to that different ground like you don't need somebody else to do this different take and I think JK is at this point like he's he's just almost synonymous with the role um and he's one of those where I'm like you can cast him in any universe and as long as the characterization is to to that universe people are just gonna be like yep gimme <laughs> um so it, he was a great addition to the movie I was thrilled when he showed up at the end of uh, Far From Home and then as he showed up in this one and he was there for a decent amount of time and a, and a good level of involvement and that characterization from the Insomniac game is probably my favorite um, Jonah Jameson especially in a modern modern context uh, where he would be doing like the, the podcast the website of things the borderline Infowars kind of thing instead of on a on a full-on news channel um that 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 clicks that checks uh so i loved that um all right the main thing i didn't talk about in the in the episode proper because i didn't want to spoil it but now i'm like man i kind of do um but the episode's already out so it's in this bonus and also i want the ocr shorts every once in a while be happy and not just not just Chris ranting about friggin' space hotels, because that's a thing. Um, that's a thing that's coming in 2027. Never mind the fact that we have people that can't afford homes, pay rent, or jobs that pay adequately, or, you know, all the real-world troubles. But that's not this episode. Because <laughs> that's what this episode was gonna be. Um, but you just got a mini-preview. Um... I do want the shorts to be about happy things as well. And Spider-Man No Way Home is, as much as it can be, depressing. Because it's it's got a, a borderline bleak ending. <laughs> it's also so good that it, it, it makes me happy. Um, so, in the ending, I, I mentioned in the episode, they, they really one more day this. And in the comic... One More Day was a terrible storyline where Aunt May dies after it's after Civil War and Peter's identity is outed. Um, Aunt May is killed. And then they make a deal with the devil, or in this, in the Marvel Comics case, Mephisto, uh, to save Aunt May. But to do that, Peter and MJ have to sacrifice their marriage. So their entire marriage and their life together, 
gone. And I and both forget. Eventually, comics happens, they start remembering. Um, but it is a hated story, and it's hated for every good reason, because it is terrible. Sorry, I'm just making sure. Okay, yep, I've got to wrap this, because I'm back on the clock in a minute. Um, but they, they adapted it really well, where it's like Peter having everyone forget. Um, and it, I love that they had those little emotional touches, the acting from uh, Zendaya, or Zendaya? I, I always butcher her name, but she, she's been tremendous as Michelle Jones. <laughs> um, and then, I can't remember the actor who plays Ned, but he also does really, really good in this movie. Um, and he's always been fun. But the emotional moments, the, the characters serve it well. And then when you get that post where Peter's talking to Happy and Happy has no idea who he is. And he's going to MJ and Ned and he's going to reconnect with them and he sees how simple their lives are like they're they're getting into MIT they're planning things they're not worried about knowing he's Spider-Man and constantly being in life or death situations like Peter makes the call to not inform them and you feel it because you're just like oh my gosh no you want them to to reconnect and that's a testament to the actors and the character and the writing and the characterization because they really made you feel for them as a team and as characters that you want them to be intertwined you want that those loving relationships back but he sees just how much worse everything was for them when they knew so he makes that call and it's it's a you're like this sucks but it does make sense and they make it make sense so it ends in this sad way where they're not like him mj had no idea about the relationship she doesn't know who peter parker is so the love is gone the knowing he's spider-man is gone the friendship's gone um Ned being the guy in the chair is gone. Their best friendship is gone. Like, Peter is truly alone. Um, but he's also now, like, ending the ending the movie where he's truly alone, but then also going out in the very classic Dicko-y Spider-Man outfit was such a great touch. Um, that, yeah, it's, it's, movie was friggin' awesome. Uh, and I had a lot of feelings about it. All good ones. Um, I love that they did that. I didn't, I didn't know if I would, when I realized it was happening, I was like, Oh damn. And then part of you wants that happy ending for these characters. Uh, you do, but then I'm also now very interested, like where's MCU Spidey going to go from here? And they've, they've really, uh, that's where I've said like, Hey, it's almost, you could call it Spider-Man, the great reset because it is borderline a clean slate um, where he's had these experiences, but now he is attached to no one. So you can really redevelop relationships and characterizations and everything. And if so in, in the MCU, Ned is very much Genki from ultimate Spider-Man, uh, the comic line with miles uh, where originally ultimate Spider-Man was Peter Parker. He was killed. Miles became Spider-Man. So for a long time, it was ultimate Spider-Man where it was miles. Um, and his best friend was Genki and Ned in the MCU movies has basically been Genki. Ned in <laughs> the original Ned Leeds in the comics became brainwashed and became a hobgoblin. So now if they decide to visit that, how much richer is that going to be <laughs> kind of thing? So it's a uh, it's interesting spots. 
Anyways, that's it for today's OCR short. I know less of y'all are going to watch this because you all probably haven't seen Spider-Man. Anyways, glad to be back. Love you guys. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, those of you that were able to watch this, I hope you enjoyed. And God bless, my friends. Peace. Hey everyone, it's, uh, it's me again. Clearly I'm adding this in post. Several hours later. Uh, it is cold as heck, so I'm gonna keep this quick. Uh, but one final thing I did want to spoil and talk about is that Venom uh, post-credit scene we got in No Way Home. I'm thrilled with it in the sense of, no offense to Tom Hardy, he's an excellent actor, but I cannot stand the characterization they've done of Venom and of Eddie Brock in the two Sony Venom movies. Uh, I hate it. <laughs> so I am very, very satisfied that we now have a symbiote in the MCU where it can potentially get to Peter and we can get a good and proper Venom finally. And hopefully, we'll have a good Eddie Brock in the MCU as well, so we can get a really, really, really proper Venom. All right, just wanted to add that. Hope you can hear me. Hope you're staying warm. God bless, my friends. Peace! everyone this is Chris and you're watching one cross video and this episode is my third take it will be the shortest one just because at this point I'm calling this old man yells at cloud and if you've seen that meme from the Simpsons and that episode of the Simpsons you understand because this is what I feel like it's it's devolving to um and I, even when it's with people and attitudes and stuff I disagree with, I want to present them as fairly and relative and, and empathetically as possible, even if I disagree or disagree strongly with them. And I'm having a lot of struggle with that in, in this episode. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm under the weather. Uh, thankfully not the Rona, but things are, things are nuts in Ontario right now. Um, to the point that like you can't even book a test to get the road <laughs> get tested for covid unless you're in like an umpteenth like specific group otherwise it's they're just like you've got a number of the symptoms you should isolate for five days see where you're at in five days basically uh because it's entirely possible you have it but our system's overwhelmed um and it's like i i get the stress that that adds on people and I don't want to be unsympathetic. I don't. Because um, as much as I, I've, agree, I've agreed with the lockdowns, I know people are going to hate on me for that, but whatever. Um, like, I understand. It sucks not being able to go to places where we want to go, see the people we want to see, do the things we want to do. We've had it fit, like for the majority of us have had it fairly easy for the last, my lifetime, 30 years. Um, and we're not able to do those things. We don't like being told we can't go down a street at a certain speed. So I, I get it, but at the same point, we got to deal with it. 
<laughs> we got we got to deal with it because uh, so many things are getting wonky that we're back here and people are like, well, clearly things weren't working before. And how many of the people saying that weren't actually working towards the solution? A large number. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I will keep this short because I I'm, I want to be fair. <laughs> I do, I do. Um, and I want to be fair to even if I understand it and then another person doesn't and they're angry. I don't want to. I don't want it to be like, hey, you're. Di I don't want to dismiss that because that dismissing people doesn't help anything. It doesn't. Now, how I'll talk to them is going to change from person to person and how they're presenting, but I'd say just being outright dismissive doesn't help, even in joking, uh, joking manners. Uh, Y'all know how, how firm I am for uh, universal basic income, and a while ago someone, and they were 100% joking, so I know they were 100% joking, and I know they didn't think it, but it's still it irked me greatly just because I'm like, don't, don't do this because other people actually do do this and mean it intentionally. Um, but I got more or less called a communist and I was like, are you kidding me? Because um, yes, I support universal basic income, but I do support democracy and you can support both. That's the tone I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> so okay the main thing i'm going to talk about is uh the the quick one of quebec so yesterday uh the pro the premier of quebec uh mr legault announced that uh they are going to be taxing the unvaccinated all right, so you notice that there was a bit of a transition there. It's because I lost my article and then I was starting to get very frustrated, um, just very under the weather. Thankfully, not the Rona, but still just not feeling good. Uh, so the main things that I've seen uh, people reacting to uh, since this announcement, um, and I definitely understand not liking it too much because um, I know I wouldn't like it in Ontario, but the question isn't do I like it, is is it legal? Can they do this? And seemingly, the answer is yes. Uh, so I'm looking at a global news article, I'll link it in the description, um, where it says legal experts say provinces have constitutional authority to levy direct taxes in order to pay for services like healthcare, which that part's scary because healthcare in Canada uh, since I believe the 50s has, um, the 50s or 60s, since Tommy Douglas, a, uh, <laughs> basically the guy who set up the modern day NDP, a Baptist minister, um, who I'm sure other people accused of being a commie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, like Canada, it's, I, we have for the most part, universal healthcare in the sense of we don't pay anything when we go to the hospital, we don't mortgage our house, um, but dental's expensive as hell, and depending on our insurance, our medications are are quite pricey. I don't wanna say as hell, because that's a, that's a bad expression, because uh, it also doesn't make much sense, because I can't imagine hell would be expensive. Um, biblically, there's no description of that. Anyways, um, so legal experts are saying that they can levy 
direct taxes in order to pay for services like that, and that it makes sense from a fairness perspective to force those who pose the most burden on the healthcare system to pay more for it. Now, if you're having a gut reaction like, I don't like that, I'm, I'm kind of with you just because while I understand it in the context of COVID, this is also one of those things where I'm like, if this starts getting applied this way, when will it start being applied to other groups? Because uh, I, no, I don't want smokers to be taxed more than than non-smokers. Heck, debatably, they already are they, because they're spending so many, they're spending a lot of money on things that I'm not uh, to feed an addiction. Um, and it's an incredibly difficult addiction to break. And there's so many other health issues that are like that. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So that's where I'm like, I get it. Just because you can doesn't mean I think you should. This is scary territory. Uh, so then a further, um, a professor at the University of British Columbia's Peter A. Allard School of Law, uh, Professor David Duff said, they're not taking away people's freedom. They're just requiring people to pay a price if they pose a risk. So, as much as my gut reaction is like, you can't do that, legally, they can. Um, and whether or not I like that isn't, isn't much of the point. It's, are they able to? Scarily, yes, they are. Um, so I'm not, I can't be yelling at the province if they choose to do it because they have the right to do so. Uh, now I'm going to link to an NPR article, which I'll also link in the description. Um, and this one, the reason I like it is it, it spells things out quite clearly. Uh, so this is quoting from uh, Premier Francois Legault. Um, they, like I said, they haven't decided on the amount. It will be, but it will be significant. Uh, Legault is citing stats where 10% of adults in Quebec are unvaccinated, uh, which is a small amount comparison to 90%. But of that 10%, uh, they are making up 50% of intensive care patients. So as much as some people are saying like, well, look at, uh, it's spreading amongst the, the, the vaccinated as well. It is, but it's not hitting the vaccinated nearly as hard as it's hitting the partially vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And this variant, and apparently another one on the way, because Delta Cron's becoming a thing, and I feel like I'm in a illness Transformers movie. Um, like, these are variants that are going to get past the initial things. Medicaid, illnesses do this. <laughs> like, that, that, that's not surprising. It's frustrating, but it's not surprising. Um, Legault is also looking at, um, citing this as, the majority of people in the province are asking for this. Now, he doesn't cite a study, so the, the article isn't citing one, but I've, I, that doesn't surprise me. I've seen a number of studies, even as recently as today, that were published last year, where 70% of Canada-wide people were saying they felt employers should be severing the employment of those not vaccinated. 
So this is, this is consistent with a, a very, very common belief. Uh, so that part I, I can buy. Um, the majority are asking for consequences. And then he's adding, it's a question of fairness for the 90% of the population who have made who have made some sacrifices. We owe them. And I think that's fair. I do think that's fair. And that's not to say that the unvaxxed haven't made sacrifices. But I think you could argue the vaccinated have made more. Um, and then what I like about this article is it, it cites other countries that have done it. So I didn't know other countries were other countries were doing this. So I'm going to link the article in the description. Um, Quebec previously announced uh, they were going to do a curfew. Um, but then also, let me see here. So in Greece... Those over 60 have until January 16th to get their first vaccinations or be fined 100 euros, which works out to be $113 uh, for every month they remain unvaccinated. Australia's health minister announced last month the government plans to fine up to 3,600 euros, which works out to be around $4,000, so a substantial difference on people who flout corona, coronavirus vaccine mandates in it, it aims to introduce in February for all residents aged 14 and over. So there's a legal precedent. I don't necessarily like it, but there's a legal precedent. And I guess that's what I wanted to share. And, and I guess encourage like, guys, we got to be able to look at stuff beyond like, do I not like it? Uh, instead of just knee-jerk reacting and adding to the fervor and the clicks and the misnews and all that, the fake news, the misrepresentation, the outright lies, we got to actually pause and dig because when we pause and dig, as much as we might not like the result, the stuff is communicated and we can learn that, yeah, they can. And they're not violating any laws by doing it. And they're, in this in this dude's case, it, He's citing the, the majority of the wants, and heck, Spock, my fellow truckies, constantly said the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, <laughs> and that's something we got to consider. So what I'm going to ask is, during all this, of course, is to pray. Please keep praying. Pray for wisdom for our leaders. Pray for wisdom for those in power. Pray for wisdoms for everybody who's fed up. Just pray. And, and let's treat each other with empathy. I hope you heard this episode. I hope it made sense, even if it's stuff you don't like. I love you guys. I missed you guys. I'm looking forward to doing more. I'm hoping to finding a happy medium of not always super schnerious OCR shorts uh, and also happy ones as well. All right. All that being said, uh, I am going to finally add in that Space Hotel is still a thing. Look it up. I think it's dumb. <laughs> Mostly because the world's in shambles. We don't need a hotel in space right now. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a killjoy. Let's get let's get free health care or affordable health care to the majority of the world first before we spend hundreds of billions of dollars on a hotel in space that like 45 people are going to be able to benefit from. All right. Sorry for all that 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 downer energy. It's it's just where I'm at. But I I, I hope I communicated it in in an, a loving and accessible way. All that being said, love y'all. Hope you have a great day and God bless my friends. Look forward to being back soon. Hopefully with some happier stuff. Peace.
this is Chris and you're watching One Cross Video and today we are out and about. Uh, originally I had a different subject planned but I'll be honest uh, things have been heavy recently. Um, partially mental health, partially <laughs> just you know Canada um, and what's going on here and all that. Um, and I just, I, I was finding I wasn't having it in me. Uh, it was it was daunting, it was draining. I was getting, uh, getting frustrated and angry at things. So it's like, hey, you know what? Pause a minute, take a breath, maybe do something else and then come back to it when you can. Uh, it's kind of a principle that Christian and I are applying on, um, on Radio Arcade. We're calling it Audio Reboot. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do before I say things. And of course, I'm also, as a believer, trying to pray before I before I speak on things, be they light or heavy, that God will use it. There, there will be some wisdom and love and grace in there, um, even if I'm coming at it frustratedly. Um, so it's almost like if I don't feel I can do it, then I'm just not going to do it. It's almost like that old principle of... <laughs> I want to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Because um, sometimes there are unnice things to say, but how you say it um, matters. So I'll lift from a sticker from our faith, our friend uh, Hector over Faith at Fandom Made, where it's like, Jesus loves you, but don't be a douche. <laughs> um, so if, if I'm going to be a douche as I say things, then maybe I shouldn't. Um, anyways, so... <laughs> Sorry, I just thought of a funny segue, but it's kind of mean, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go with it. Um, I guess today I kind of want to talk a little bit about fan entitlement. Now, this is something that I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna come back to because I do think it's a, a multi-layered topic to a degree. Um, because intellectual property rights are a thing, and they're an interesting thing. Um, and you can have a deeper discussion like, hey, an artist creates something. In this case, be, in this case, we're often looking at movies or shows or comic book runs, what have you. Um, and you get attached to that thing. And then you buy it. You, you don't own the actual intellectual property, but you own your copy of it. And it's something you grow to appreciate and love and, and in many cases cherish. Um, Hopefully not to the degree you cherish other people, but you get my meaning. Um, and I don't know. It's, I get that because you have a thing and you love that thing. Uh, Star Wars is a prime example of this. Um, heck, before, well before we got to the sequels and them being whatever the heck they are, uh, even you can look at the various special editions where people were arguing against the changes that George Lucas was continuously making. The continuous McClunky changes he was making to the original trilogy. Um, and part of it's like, how? why are you changing these things that we love? And him being the creator is like, I own this. I made this. I can do whatever the hell I want with it, more or less. Um, and I think there's, to a degree, I think there's room for both. Um, now, hopefully there's 
hopefully the changes somebody involved is making are good ones or at least understandable ones or it's like hey here's my cut of it like my preferred cut the creator's cut if you will or director's cut um but if you loved that original thing it's still here it's still valid and all that jazz but that's not always the case and then i think fans can take it to an extreme uh, a recent example of some of this i've come across uh, what i'll call fan entitlement is we live in an age where oh my gosh <laughs> we could you'd use that for so many different things but hear me out um not where we have more access to these franchises and properties and everything that we that we have a love for and a lot of it is to a degree you could say headcanon is encouraged um and all that but where i think fan entitlement is coming into play is because might you could argue might be a side effect of the multiverses just in, in comics and everything becoming much more accepted um you're running into issues where people and fans in particular be they star wars fans or the alien fandom i'd argue is very guilty of it um i was on an alien kick recently where i listened to the novelizations of the four alien films uh novelization of alien covenant there was no audio novelization of um of prometheus available in north america which is a bit of a shame because even though i don't like that movie at all i'd still check out the audiobook um and then a bunch of other ones and it some of the stuff was like really really good so i was hitting up subreddits and forums and everything and then it, it's where it was becoming painstakingly clear almost the fan entitlement uh of course that's unfortunately always there with star wars um and then the dc fandom as well oh my gosh anyways um but with the alien one where it was again that entitlement it was there are certain movies that you aren't going to like um for example with an alien the theatrical cut of alien 3 is not very enjoyed i understand why <laughs> um heck i did an episode about it and the many unmade versions of alien 3 um and especially alien resurrection is what it is um and it's not it's not very well liked so but where i get people being like hey my headcanon is those don't exist i mean that's your headcanon you can do whatever you want um to a degree with your well not even to a degree I'd say unless it's going to an unhealthy place, you can do whatever you want with your headcanon. Um, if it's going to unhealthy places, then maybe don't. Anyways, um, but it was where a large number of fans, uh, there were conversations like, hey, if the franchise ever gets out of the uh, the prequel territory we're in with Prometheus and Covenant, and I have no idea what the next movie's going to look like, uh, if they're going to cap that off or if they're like, nah, we're cutting our losses. Um, like, <laughs> people were like, should should Ripley come back? And I ended up getting into it. It was a nice conversation up until the point, and then I hopped out, um, where someone's like, well, 
there's no way Ripley can come back, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, she, she can. Uh, in Alien lore, Ellen Ripley died in Alien 3, and then the clone of Ripley 8 is is out there. The, clo the clone Ripley 8 survived uh, Resurrections. So I might not dig... I might not dig Alien Resurrection, but I mean, there's a precedent. It's set. It's pretty easy going forward. Uh, but then the person dieheartedly was like, well, no, those aren't canon. Um, it's like, ah, oh, no, they are, man. It's like, well, no, they're not. They're not in my head canon. They're not canon. And uh, that needs to be respected. No, it doesn't. It, 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 it doesn't like I'm, I'm not saying that to be a jerk but my not liking of something doesn't mean it's not canon until officially uh 20th century fox or now disney because they own the fox film rights including alien predator and die hard uh, and so many other properties um like there are still alien quadrilogy sets being released like Huh, those two high-budget fan films really get, must, Fox must really be thinking those are canon because they're included on so many sets. Like, you get what I mean? They're, just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's not official. As much as I don't like the Star Wars sequels, I can ignore them, but I, I would never seriously be like, oh, those aren't canon because they are. As much as I don't like them and I don't like what they did, they still happen. And until there is something, and and I don't want this to be the case because in my opinion that makes Star Wars less special, um, I don't want them to be like, until something retcons them out of existence and that something isn't pushed by a fan, it's, it's something official through Disney and Lucasfilm, they happen. And until some, uh, until in this case, Disney through whatever they're calling their Fox properties makes Alien 3 or Alien Covenant, not Covenant, sorry, Resurrections out of canon, they happen. And my not liking of them and my headcanon of them not existing, although that's not my headcanon, um, doesn't trump everything and I I shouldn't be <laughs> I I shouldn't be encouraging that kind of behavior that kind of entitlement um and that's something that's going on in a lot of fan communities where it's no those were garbage and we need like we need to hold the studio accountable so they make things according to my liking like who the heck am I who the heck am I to tell a studio or a director or a writer, like, well, no, you can't do this because I don't like it. Who the heck am I? Uh, seriously. <laughs> I'm trying not to rant too much, but you, you I, I think you get what I mean. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. Like, or I, I guess we could end it there. And we're about to anyway, because I'm almost at my destination. Um, like, we can look at, yeah, fan fan opinions should be sought, and I'm not saying it's you need fan validation, but it could be collaborative 
but it is not for me as a fan of something to be like, well, you have to go to my standard. Because one, everybody's head canon, unless they're just rolling with the official canon of everything, it's gonna be slightly different. Uh, two, some of the fan canon stuff <laughs> I've read and head canon stuff is uh, absolute garbage. Uh, and that's opinion. And that ties into three, the majority of the stuff is subjective opinion. The official canon is the official canon, but headcanon stuff is opinion. How you, how much you enjoy something or like or don't enjoy something, it's art. It's subjective opinion. Um, and that, and that's got to get remembered. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just vamping now. I feel like I'm circling, but you, I, I, I think you get what I mean. And this is a wider topic and it could be done much more nuanced when it's not Chris driving. So we will revisit this, but it's just one of those things where I've been noticing a lot, uh, within certain fandoms, uh, the DC fandom, especially, um, where it's restore the Snyderverse. And if you disagree, blah, 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 and all that, where it's like, bruh. My joke is there's a reason your verse didn't happen. Um, but also, like, it's not going forward. You can enjoy these things, but when you're getting hostile and you're getting arrogant and jerkish and it's like, no, it has to be to my liking. No, it, it, it really doesn't. Um, and that's the other thing fans, myself included, have to realize. As much as, yes, we are fans of comic book properties and you could look at us as the core audience they're not necessarily making all this stuff directly for us uh, these are huge hugely expensive things and they have to make it for a wider audience and that's not always going to appeal to us and we got to deal with that all right all that being said <laughs> i hope this made sense <laughs> I hope you guys are having a great day, praying for you all. Please keep us in your prayers. Keep Canada in your prayers. And remember, Jesus loves you. Don't be a douche. Um, praying for y'all. <laughs> and that was especially for me, Chris. Jesus loves you, but don't be a douche. <laughs> Hector, I love that you made that sticker. <laughs> all right, God bless everybody. Peace. and you're watching one cross video and this is i'll say a special short it's been one i've been i don't know wrestling with doing um because i wanted to find the i guess the right way to do it it's been it's been there but i don't want to do it in in the bad way so i'll be straightforward uh if the title doesn't let you know what we're talking about uh this bonus episode, we are looking at some uh, at at aspects of the the protests that have been going on in Ontario and Canada, and the draining, frustrating experience it's been for all of us, uh, for people in support of them and opposed to them. Um, and I will say now, if you are in support of the protests, I have no ill will or lost love towards you. Um, 
I don't look at the negative aspects of the and actions of some of the protesters and the history of the organizers and immediately associate that with you. I don't do that at all. But I will be addressing the frankly real and negative aspects of the protest and why I feel they're that way. Um, so if that's something that you will find upsetting, I just want to be straightforward with you that that is coming. Um, and I also do want to be fair to the protesters as well, because it's it's way too easy and it's been something that the media has been doing. And I'll say weirdly, both sides of the media has been doing. And it, it's awful that the media is now at this point where it, there's division lines across the board, where it's if you're for the protesters, you're right. And if you're against the protesters, then you're you're a sheep or you're ignorant or you're vile or you're wrong um and the same thing for the other side where it's like if you're against the protests you're you're amazing and if you're for the for the protests you're ignorant and vile and wrong and, and i mean you could argue that's true for both groups for some peoples within both groups but not the majority and that's that's kind of what i want to look at today um now, I have a number of friends who are in in both camps, um, but a number of those who are in support of the protests don't, don't necessarily see the, 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 the anti-side, um, the, the against the protests, and that and knowing them, I like I do know them, and I know that they've they've looked things up. It's not coming from a willful place of ignorance, and I do think a number of a huge part of this division is, quite frankly, social media. Um, because heck, I, I can use an example. I've got two very close friends, both wonderful people. One's and they're and they're wonder and they're tight with each other. Um, one is uh, one you could say is anti-protest. The other is pro-protest. Um, and both, uh, both through social media, um, only see one side. The one who's pro-protest legit sees the factual, evidential, and and legit happening peaceful protests because make no mistake those still are happening those are still happening i'd from videos that you can firsthand see you could even argue by and large the majority of protests there are not the ones committing hate crimes they're not the ones causing physical mental duress and before we'll get there in a second um like because there are peaceful protesters there um, but the only thing they're seeing through through TikTok, through YouTube, through Twitter, because of algorithms, because social media is designed to cater to us and what we'd like, or on the flip side, if you rage click things, then it's going to send you a lot of stuff that will just make you angry. Algorithms are a finicky, stupid thing. Um, but because of that, people on the pro-protest side are only seeing stuff that shows the, the the peaceful aspects. And the stuff that seeps through is the stuff that's shooting down, like highlighting the negative stuff. And they're like, nope, this is media misinformation, which, homies, I'm sorry to break it to you. It's not. 
Um, now, some media absolutely does twist it and hyper-focus on it. I'm not going to, we can't sugarcoat that. We're not going to lie. But there is enough evidence from outside of the mainstream media that we are evidently supposed to ignore, which I get, but I also don't agree with, and I'll get there. Um, there is enough firsthand evidence, firsthand experiences from so many people in Ottawa and outside of it that shows that, no, this isn't just isolated things. It is more widespread than any of us would like. Now, does that mean the entirety of the protesters are that? Of course not. And I I, I do wish that, that mainstream sources would address those more, just as I wish certain sources that try to cite only the, the peaceful side and mischaracterize the other side i.e. your rebel your rebel news um which i'm i'm holding on a rant there um that might be a topic for a different time um actually no it's not rebel rebel news is hardly news uh it is incredibly biased media uh when you look at unbiased sources or biased rankers or stuff that actually <laughs> doesn't have much of a lean they consistently show that sources like rebel media or rebel news like campus reform uh, and then also Fox and things like that. And they do this with the left as well. That's why I trust these media, these media bias checkers, um, because they don't hesitate to show like, hey, this person has a left lean, this person has a right lean, this person is far right, like, or just straight right, and on and on I go. But Rebel is has been statistically and categorically proven uh, through various studies to show where it's like, hey, we're going to go with the most clickbaity, outrage-inducing headlines to grab your attention. And when we do, and when we try to link outside, guess what? It's only within our own pool of our own approved sources. So I don't consider them a reliable source of anything. Many rant aside. <laughs> um... And then on the the other side, you do have people who are only seeing the negative things, and then they're uh, then that's the picture that's being painted for them. That every person at the protest is is causing hate crimes, desecrating war monuments, and various other various other things. And that's also not true. Now, don't get it twisted. That is happening. It has happened. It's sadly continuing to happen. And that's kind of what I want to do this video. I've seen so many... Part of it is I'm seeing so much where it's like, well, we can't... We got to ignore what the media is saying. This is the truth. And that's frankly not true. You're... I get it that you're, you're wanting to share the peaceful aspect. I encourage that. I encourage everybody who is continually frustrated, depressed, and just, ugh, just everything that we're feeling as more of this stuff seeps out from what's going on, I do encourage you to question the media, to question what you're seeing, because as you look, you'll see like, hey, the truth is often somewhere in the middle. And I'd say in this case, it is because you there is ample evidence of a number of people who are there just to peacefully protest. 
they're not the one like they're not the ones doing the non-stop honking which guess what uh as much as people try to write that off that's not something you write off uh here i'm gonna read a quote and it's from the uh it's citing report from the uh world health organization so Constant, ex constant exposure to high levels of noise is, a is well known to have deteriorous effects both on mental and physical health. 2018 report from the WHO says it is among the top environmental risks to health. Um, lots is known about health risks of noise, including cardiovascular disease, cognitive impairment, sleep disturbance, and mental health impacts. Yeah, that stuff is happening. <laughs> We can't deny it. And it's easy to just say like, oh, well, it's just a little honking. No, it's not. It's constant. It's nonstop. It is nonstop until there was a chord injunction. <laughs> and that's, again, not to say that's all the protesters, but it is happening. And that can't be denied. That just simply can't be denied. Um when people uh, when people are saying like we can't trust the media then honestly what truth are you saying like what truth are you saying is happening i encourage you i implore you even share the good experiences as well because those are clearly happening and i will i will happily agree with you that the media is not recognizing those parts as well but at the same point that has been the that's the case with every protest and this is where i do take a some a little bit of umbrage and or probably more um but when i see people hyper focusing on this part and they're saying well we can't trust the media because they're only reporting the negative stuff i challenge you that the next time there is a black lives matter protest that you take the same attitude I, I implore you to do so. Remember these words that you said and apply that uh, that same argument the next time. Because guess what? Black Lives Matter protests based on a study in 2020 and an article from Time Magazine shows that 93% of those protests have been peaceful. And they haven't gotten to the levels of hate crimes or friggin' national emergencies twice. Now, you could argue that those are over-exaggerations, but you can also track this happening and you can see the escalation. Now, I think there's a lot of blame to be placed for Ottawa police because they didn't start doing things early enough and it got too late to control, but still. And that's not to say there hasn't been violence at Black Lives Protest Matters, because there have been. That is also proven to be true. But for people who are just, for people who pull out the constant comparisons, who will say like, no, this is peaceful. It's not like the BLM protests. That's not true. Uh, the majority of BLM protests have been peaceful. And it seems to be in this camp, or uh, let me rephrase that, seems to be from groups of people within this camp that they are, they are now being like, well, no, we're being peaceful, not like them. Can't you say the media was hyper-focused on the negative aspects of those two and easily ignored the very, the overwhelming majority of the peaceful aspects of those protests that have absolutely been proven? 
I'm just saying. <laughs> and that's not to have a go at anyone. Uh, and you can tell I'm a little bit frustrated. I, we all are. And my heart does go out to you because we are all frustrated. It's been two long years of this. And we want to be done, but we keep getting thrown curveballs and we're all tired. But the reason I'm doing this video is to share, like, there are reasons that people are showing that these aren't peaceful. And I challenge you, if you're saying the entirety of the protest is peaceful, I'm going to lovingly say, I think you're wrong. Now, there are a huge amount of people within the protest that are being peaceful. But when a when a ongoing protest has numerous arrest charges, a, a legal injunction due to noise, and it can cause statistically proven harm, um, and we've got other people coming from different countries trying to interfere, which, yes, that's happened. An actual uh, thing that's been proven is a lot of the funds going towards the protesters, they're not coming from Canada. They're coming from down in the States, interfering a bit. Um, and we've got people showing up using this as an avenue, but it still happens. It's still linked. You've got, you've got people doing conspiracy to murder. There's been conspiracy to overthrow the government. There's been hate crimes. There's been desecration. I am not saying at all, I'm not saying at all that this is the majority of the protesters, but I don't think you can actually say that all of this is peaceful when all of that is happening within it. That's what I'm trying to say. So if you're also frustrated like I am, please, please look for the peaceful things because they do exist. That actually gives me a bit of hope. <laughs> that actually does. It, it is nice to see. There is some very, very wonderful, peaceful protesters from across the board, from across <laughs> nations, creeds, backgrounds, whatever you want to say. There are people there who aren't doing these horrible things. On the flip side, please don't ignore that those horrible things are happening. They absolutely are happening. And it's dangerous to ignore it. And it's not truthful to say and absolutely deny that they are not happening. I don't like that they're happening. I'm sure if you're in support of the protests, you don't like that they're happening. But acknowledge them and distance from them. But don't say they're like, don't trust the media. Because also a lot of the sources with people who say that they're sharing stuff that you can't trust at all. So all that being said, <laughs> challenge the media, challenge what, what you're being exposed to. Look in deeper, but look for good resources. I hope this made sense. I hope this is helpful. Hope you have a wonderful day. God bless my friends. Peace.
everyone, this is Chris, and you're watching a special One Cross Radio short. So I should say this is One Cross Video. And today we are rejoined by not my brother from another mother, my brother from the same mother, David. Same mother. Dave, how are you doing today? <laughs> Pretty good, you? Doing all right, doing all right. And we are going to keep this rapid fire because we are doing an OCR short. And for those that don't follow on Instagram. Uh, the video's got like a 15 minute time limit. Um, and originally I was gonna record this uh, solo, but I mentioned it to Dave and he's like, hey, I wanna talk uh, I want to talk starships. It's been a while since I've been able to geek out with someone. And Dave's like my go-to person, uh, person to nerd out uh, about Star Trek with. So that's why we're here. And today we are ranking the, uh, well, in, in some order. The Enterprises. The USS Enterprises. And there's been several of them. Uh, so before we get into it, and we'll uh, we'll go through in chronological order, um, except for this one. Number 10, by default, is um, is the Enterprise J. It was hinted at in the, the show Enterprise, where we only saw a picture of what it would look like. And it looks awful. Uh, there's yeah. been some wonderful <laughs> artist renderings where you're like, wow, okay, that actually looks better. But it's still number 10. <laughs> yeah it's ugly we don't like it it's bad we're yeah, done talking about it basically <laughs> even though artist renderings make it look slightly better it's still not good all right so now we'll move into uh chronological releases and we can share where these make our lists uh so next up we have uh from the show enterprise the nx01 mm-hmm. all right so dave uh how would you like where where would you put this what what do you like about the nx oh i love it um Okay, my favorite thing about it is that it looks almost exactly like an upside down Akira class, um, which is a ship that you don't see until like, I think the Dominion War. Um, and I really like that design. And this one looks similar, but just kind of different. Um, so it's neat to have this like precursor to the Akira that's like, you know, 200 years early. Um, and then presumably, theoretically, in universe, the designers of the Akira were like, hey, remember the NX-01? Um, I just, I like the shape. Um, it's, it's, it's a nice shape. Um, it's kind of a low profile when you're looking at it from the front, uh, cause it's relatively, I guess, short, you could say it's not very tall. Um, it's just, it's a nice design. I like it. Um, it's my, uh, it's my second favorite. I rank it two. So Dang. I like All that right. ship. That's fair. It is my number six overall. Um, I too like the I like the saucer section. I like the distinct front of the saucer section because yeah, every enterprise yeah. it's normally just uh, like your standard oval or an egg or a circle. Whereas the the front of this it's there up to a point, and then it's almost got like this sudden horizontal input makes it distinct. I like that it goes back to the nacelles, but then the nacelles almost have a little bridge between them. That makes it stand out a little bit by itself. Um, I really, really like the look of it. It ranks number six overall for me. Um, yeah. There is a cool refit that I'll give an honorable mention that would have been in what could have been season five of Enterprise if Enterprise hadn't had the fate that it did. I'll include a list of viewer. You're looking at a picture of it now. And if we listen, if we drop the audio later... Well, listener, just look up. Look, it, it's it, nice. It, it's worth looking it up. Um, all right. So next up, we have the OG NC-1701, NCC-1701, the original Enterprise. Um, I'll start this off first, uh, just because I let you go last time. Um, this is my least favorite, which I know I'm pissing off the Trekkies. 
<laughs> but I, I know, I know, I know. It's my number nine. Like here's every here's Trekkie the over the age of like fifty is furious with you right now. Well, listen, come at me, you Roddenberry fanboys who are gonna be like, oh no, it's not up to a standard. Like the all the best Star Trek is after Roddenberry, son. Um, <laughs> fight me. But okay, uh, uh, jokes aside, as much as I do like the NCC, the the original seventeen oh one, like my fonder memories of it come from the A, the A was introduced in the the fifth movie, which is the worst movie, but it looks almost identical to the refit of the ship that we got in the motion picture. So all my favorite memories of the 1701 are of the refit. When I look at the one from TOS, the length of the neck between the saucer section and the engineering section is too long. It's just, it, later ships look busier and they make sense. This is just a lot of open gray space, and it doesn't inspire a lot for me. The A and uh, the A later adds like a, a torpedo section that's on the refit, and I just group it with the A. So overall, I'm just uh, like I like it. I like what it's, it represents, but it's just it's not my favorite. Yeah, I I don't know. I kind of I think I used to be in a similar camp where I wasn't so huge of a fan of it, and part of it is lack of exposure. Um, I have yet to watch all of TOS. I plan on fixing that, but um, I mean, you got me for my birthday, uh, a model of the NCC 1701. And I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, that's my least favorite enterprise of like the good ones. And like, it's beautiful. It just, the it has like a simple elegance to it. Well, and like, the, it just, it's so thing. sleek. Like it's gorgeous. The, I love okay. it. The model of the ship is better than the ship in the show. Well, I mean, in fairness, the show was made like forever ago. So. Well, uh, well, that's fair, but it looks better than the CG. That wasn't so, <laughs> it wasn't so old. And that's the thing. If I was basing it on the model, it would rank higher. But if I'm basing it just on the show and the CG, I'm just like, you know yeah. what? It doesn't stand out as well as other ones do. It's not my least favorite Star Trek ship by any means. And I get that it's borderline sacrilege. But I, I'm just like the A in the movie and the refit look better than the one in the show and the other enterprises. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do gotta we're we're running low on time, so I gotta move forward. Um, where, where, what do you rank it? Uh, so it, it for me, it's number nine. I know, wow, I know that. Okay. I know, I know. I rank it a five, so it's like, you know, it's the bottom of like the top half of them. There we yeah. go. That's fair. Uh, the next one we'll talk about is the A, and I don't really feel I need to expand on it because I just hit it all up in the uh, as we were talking about the Enterprise. Uh, like the refit of the Enterprise that we got in the motion picture is basically the Enterprise A. The Enterprise A is just a slightly more streamlined version of that, and it enhances what was from the show. Like when I look at pictures of the Enterprise from the show. There's a lot of empty space. The A adds on to that. The nacelles look better. Uh, the shade of gray is nicer. The blue in the engineering section is sweet. Yeah. The neck oh, the, is yeah. slimmer. Um, or oh, the, the like the the saucer section and the engineering section are closer together. So it's not just this empty space with a non-busy neck. The neck has a torpedo launcher now, so it's like actually good use space. The A, the, the A is much better for me. It's like, when I think of classic Enterprise, I think of the A. And the A actually is number five on my list. That's, okay, all right. Um, I have it, uh, I have it as number seven. Um, it's a nice ship. I really like the nacelles. Um, I just find, um, 
if I there's there's not much to dislike about it. I mean, really, let's be clear. Um, it, with the exception of the J, I like pretty much all of them for the most part. Um, it's just very degrees. Of these are ones I hate um, except the A. Yeah. Sorry, not the A. I except mean, the J. The nacelles are beautiful, but they, I feel like they're maybe a little too big for the ship overall, if I had to nitpick. That's fair. All right, yeah. so before we go, uh, go chronologically further, let's divert to the Kelvin timeline. Um, so we have the Kelvin timeline, 1701 Enterprise. Um, that one ranks very high for me. It is number three on my list. Uh, it's what kind of prompted this conversation with you in a way where I'm like, it is... It takes the iconic look of the 1701. It hot rods it up. To me, it improves yeah. it. It I describe it as sexy. It is it is visually beautiful. Um, it it's looks, my number three. It looks gorgeous from the front. Um, again, if I had to nitpick, uh, the deflector dish, that you know, blue thing at the front of the engineering is a little bit too far forward of the neck. Um, but it's still, I really like it. It's my number four. So it lifts a lot from the, like, again, it's got yeah. the nacelles of the, it, it lifts inspiration, at least front-wise nacelles of the show Enterprise, yeah. but structurally, especially the torpedo spot in the neck, it's lifting from the refit yeah. and the A, and I think it that's, looks, it's good. Yeah. Um, I got to include the, the A from, we got it for like 45 seconds from the end of Star Trek Beyond. Uh, for me, it's it's more or less, it looks exactly like, it the the 1701 and it's also like listener when dave and i started to do this conversation we had like a five minute thing where we're like the refit is the a and i'm like no it's not it's it looks almost the exact same but it's because of blah 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 and that's basically the same thing with the us the kelvin a and the kelvin regular there's not too much difference except for a slight difference in the structure of the nacelles if we yeah. get we're getting a fourth kelvin film so if we get more of the a it might win me over more. It's currently my number eight, the Kelvin A, whereas the Kelvin proper uh, Enterprise is my number three. Um, yeah. Next up. My, my the, Kelvin A, I've got that as nine. Like, it's fine. That's fair. There's nothing that's wrong fair. with it. it. Like, even though we saw the TOS, and A, the TOS regular more, the Kelvin A, just aesthetically, I'm like, oh, that's that's still more beautiful to me. Um, yeah. Next up, we have the the B, which we saw briefly in Generations, and it is more or less like the Excelsior that we got from the uh, from. Yeah, it's Search an Excelsior Spock. class. It's an Excelsior class. Uh, there's not much to really say about it. I, I like love it. Of it. It's my favorite. Yeah. It's my favorite. It's really? the best. Yeah, I love the Excelsior. The Excelsior class. I don't know. There's just something. There's something beautiful about it. I really like the Excelsior class. Um, and so, you know, I mean, the B, the B's in Excelsior. So I like it. There we go. That's it's my fair. favorite. For, for me, I, I like the look of it. it. I put it number seven, but I still like, nah, I really dig the look of it. Um, it's, it's in a weird way to describe it as a workhorse. It almost looks like the construction crew enterprise. Um, <laughs> especially, I, I'd especially say that for the, uh, for the, thick neck on that yeah on on her she's got a very thick neck that at points almost looks like an accordion rack um she's she's a very she's a very big beautiful ship um mm -hmm. like out of the other ones i still i rank the the regular a and all the other preceding letters uh, the except for the j of course above her but i still like her um next up we have the c which we've only seen in one episode 
the excellent Next Generation episode. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yesterday's Enterprise. Dave, the video's frozen, but we're still going to record. Um, awesome. <laughs> so I'll quickly, uh, we got to wrap this up soon just because we're running low on time. The C, I really like the look of it. You can really see how we got from the B to what we get in the show with the D. It's a perfect, like, it's a bridge ship. It, it's a bridge. It's a perfect intermediate between the between the, the B and the D. Um, yeah, it shows, it shows how we got there. It really does. Yeah. It's that perfect middle step evolution. Um, I love the look of it. I, in some ways, prefer this to the D, but I've got more attachment to the D, the, the Enterprise D, so that's where it's still ranking above it. Um, the C is overall um, number number four on my list. Wow. I rank it an eight. Um, again, there's nothing I just like about it. I just, I just don't love it as much as I love everything else. Like, it's like, pick you know, like rank your favorite children. Like <laughs> <laughs> I can get right? that. I can get that. <laughs> All right. Next up is the enterprise. We actually had the most time with the, the enterprise D, which I, I believe was at points in production nicknamed the Turkey um, almost. Um, and this is the one we got from star Trek, all seven seasons of the next generation and the first film generations. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a nice ship. I like it. Um, I'm attached to it because, you know, we saw so much of it in TNG. Um, it's a fine ship. It's pretty. I like it. Uh, it's number six. That's fair. Uh, for me, it's number two just because of my love of TNG um, and so many classic Star Trek episodes where it features prominently. Yeah, um, we, we just ignore the part where the saucer separates, right? I actually like the idea of the saucer separating. It's so like, dumb. well, yeah, I, I get it. It's just, it, it could have been executed better. Um, yeah. What I don't like about it is mostly like when you look at what they were going for, which is more or less like a family cruise ship, but yeah. also a science vessel in space. You're like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but it's just also then like, it, it's huge. The saucer section is debatably too big. There's certain pictures and angles you're seeing out where you're like, Ooh, like really? Um, but yeah, it, yeah, that's fair. It works like the, the size. Uh, I like the size of the neck cause it, you're like, that could support such a huge head. Um, and it's flat and all that. It's, it's from one of my second favorite Star Trek show. So it's got that nostalgia. Um, so for me, it's number two. And then we come to uh, the the final one of the alphabet, at least aside from the J. We have the the Enterprise E first debuted in Star Trek First Contact. It's debatably wow. the TNG um, movie Enterprise, again, exception for generations, um, where we got it in First Contact, um, Insurrection, and Nemesis. Dave, where does the E sit for you? It's my number three. It's a beautiful ship. I love it. It's great. Um, I It's exceeded only by the NX-01 and the B in terms of, you know, my favorite ship designs. It's just, it's like everything that you love about the D, but they're like, how can we like slim this down and just make this look like a beautiful ship? Yeah. Um, so it's a great continuation of the D, but just like, oh, is it ever, is it like, it's just like, you know, yeah, like slimmed down is is yeah. the best way to to phrase it. It's gorgeous. Yeah, 
I will actually agree, although in my spot, I rank this number one. This is when I think of the USS Enterprise, I think of the E. I think of like First Contact is my go-to Star Trek movie, um, especially of the TNG films. The E is very much like I love the look of it. One, it's just so aesthetically pleasing. It's sleek. It looks yeah. gorgeous. It is a natural continuation from the Enterprise D. And like visually, but also in story-wise, it makes sense because in story in Star Trek, around the time that they would have made it, this would have been going on with the, like they were encountering the Borg more. There was the Dominion War. Like yeah, and so they were scaling War. they were scaling this back to like, even though it's a science vessel, it is more it, it can function more as a battleship. Uh, so it's going to remove all that space that would have been for that family residence in hotel in space. It streamlines it. It slinks it down. The shape of the saucer section is much slimmer. The neck is tiny. It almost looks like the saucer goes right into the body. The yeah. engineer, like everything. This is this is my favorite Enterprise, bar none. It's beautiful. It's just, it's just beautiful. Um, yeah. Like, of course, what my generation of Trek was next gen. Uh, but still, I'm like, man, if it, it it's not even it's not even a contest for me between the E and the D. Um, the E is just absolutely gorgeous. It is my go-to enterprise. Um, so let's just quickly do this. I think I might be we're we're not we're beyond 15, but uh, Instagram might let me get it in. So here, let's quickly run through our our list again. Um, so from best to from worst to best. And yeah. I'll, I'll add in again, listener, I still like the original Enterprise. It's just aesthetic. I, I don't have the attachment to it that I do with the other stuff. Because yeah. uh, my attachment to the original era of Trek is more so through the movies than the show. Uh, so in number 10 is the J. Even with better artistic rendering, it looks bad. That's yeah. my number 10. We don't like it. Number 10. Yeah. Uh, my number 9 is the, the TOS 1701. What's your number 9? Uh, my number nine is the Calvin 1701A. All right. My number seven, uh, sorry, my number eight is my Kelvin timeline number A. Um, what's your number eight? Uh, the C. All right. My number seven is the B. Uh, the A. <laughs> my number six is the NX01. My number six is the D. <laughs> my number five is the A. Uh, my number five is the 1701, the OG. All right. My number four is the C. My number four is the Kelvin. That's fair. My number yeah. three is the Kelvin. <laughs> my number three is the E. <laughs> my number two is the D. My number two is the NX01. All right. And my number one is the E. And my number one is the NCC 1701B. All right. So, dear listener, and actually more so viewer, dear viewer, thank you for watching. I hope you enjoyed, even though um, unfortunately the video froze on Dave's end. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, but it, it really works because you do look really excited when we start talking about the bees. So it works perfect. <laughs> the bees are um, beautiful. Uh, well, there we go. There we go. Uh, she's a beautiful, she's a beautiful ship. And uh, dear listener, we and viewer, we will be back. We'll be doing stuff with Dave more uh, as things go. Uh, at some point, he and I will be doing a Star Wars episode, and 
visiting our Unmade series, looking at Unmade Star Trek properties. So I'm excited to do that with Dave. Um, hope you enjoyed today's video. Trekkies, please don't add us. These are personal opinions. And as much as I joke at Roddenberry's expense, I enjoy Roddenberry Trek as well. But, but also like, <laughs> Like, you know, you can you can tell us your rankings. Like, that's cool. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Please tell me the rankings. <laughs> Just don't yell at me like Star Wars fans do. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I'm part of that fandom. Just, I want our fandoms to calm down. And I do want uh... us to be able to, like, happily say, like, look, I like the 1701 from TOS. I just find the other ships more, I, I just enjoy the other ships more. That doesn't invalidate my opinion. Just like as much as I love the E, if the E is your least favorite, guess what? I still consider your opinion valid. I might think you're wrong, but I'm not going to question the validity of your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you say the J is the best, then they... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. So all that being said, we hope you enjoyed today's video. Dave, thanks for joy joining. Yeah, uh, no problem. Viewer, hope you enjoyed. Let us know your rankings. Have a wonderful day. God bless, my friends. Peace. Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're watching One Cross Video, and today we are joined by... Nobody! It's just me. Um, and I want to give a very special shout-out to uh, my amazing sister, um, just wonderful friend, amazing sister in Christ, Jim Percy from 
Cardboard Koinonia. Uh, you guys are the only non-Power Rangers image or related logo that will be in this episode. But I just wanted to shout uh, Jen out because she's been, uh, she reached out to me today and actually really encouraged me to, uh, to do this video. And it did, it, it, it's incredibly helpful and gets me a bit out of my funk uh, because, so, uh, for the past two weeks, uh, I have been dirt sick. Uh, I have a history of stomach issues <laughs> and I've had a stomach bug come in and I've, uh, praise be to God, it looks like I'm finally turning around. I just got to take it slow. Um, but today's the first day in the past two straight weeks that I haven't thrown up. I've actually been able to keep stuff down. Uh, over that two weeks, there was times where I wasn't even to keep liquids down, let alone food. And at times it'd be like a quarter of the food and maybe half the liquids tops. Uh, but today, so far, things are staying down. Stomach's still not doing well, but might have finally been turning, turning things around. So thank you to my, uh, amazing family and, uh, wonderful friend Rex from Redeemed Otaku for keeping me in your prayers. Um, but with that, with not being able to keep things down, that includes stomach medication and medication for your mental health, including anxiety and depression. So those have been really whooping me lately. Um, it didn't help that my personal Instagram got hacked last week and, uh, and some friends, uh, were impacted by that. So again, I'm sorry. Thankfully those are back. Um, but still, it just hasn't been the most fun. Uh, but Jen, Jen did help uh, inspire and inspire me to actually do this idea. Um, and this idea was inspired by two Power Rangers related things. Uh, first one, one number one is the uh, the excellent Power Rangers audio drama. Uh, I've tweeted about it. To me, it is the best thing coming out of the Power Rangers fandom. Uh, it's from Scyther Studios. They do a number of other audio dramas, X Men. Uh, Star Trek, which I haven't had the chance to check out yet, but I'm intending to. Um, but the work on Power Rangers is amazing. Fan productions get a mixed bag of reception. Homies, this one's awesome. It, uh, like, it improves on some of the stuff that, say, Boom Studios laid down in their excellent comic series. If you're wanting a mature take on Power Rangers, this is it, son. Um, this was also inspired by the awesome podcast from, uh, from friend of a uh, friend of our podcast, uh, patron, just awesome friend and dude in general, Nathan Marchand, from his uh, from his spinoff podcast, The Power Trip, uh, where they go through and look at Power Rangers season by season, and at times the wonderfully deep and complex themes you can get from what is a essentially a children's show. Um, but they still look at the deep themes as you'll come across them, especially they explore those in the most recent two episodes. Um, in Space and Lost Galaxy. Uh, so, because I had so much fun doing the the Enterprise Ranked with my brother Dave, um, I thought I'd do another Ranked one, because it's, it's light, it's inconsequential. Um, I'll also quickly say, like, hey, these are purely... These suits aren't coming from my favorite seasons. Some of them are from terrible seasons. It's just the suits rock, um, in my opinion. So, weirdly, we're going to kick off with that. Give me one sec. Uh, kicking off this top 10 is, uh, number 10 is the suit from Turbo. Now, Turbo is what it is. Um, it's the worst of the Zordon era, um, which is Mighty Morphin through in space. It's debatably 
the worst, uh, or not debatably, it is the worst of the original Saban run. Um, I'm not going to say it's the worst season of the show. There is some, st- there. you got to look for it, but there still is some good. The back half of the season is better than the front half. Um the se- the season finale of Turbo is is really good. It's much better than the the rest of the show, and you're almost like it's better than it has any right to be, uh, considering what the season was. Uh, but all that being said, I've always dug the suits from Turbo. Um, most of the seasons have a theme, and the theme from Turbo is really clear. If you were like, this is a car se- themed season beyond just the the car zords, you can tell by these suits. I also like the color the color palette here um the colors aren't too bright or too dark um they're like they're just those right shades the things that stand out the 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 chest pieces are are different enough where it's the the yellow almost for the light yellow highlights is something that's rare for power rangers um but then also getting the uh the chrome on the around the visors. I dig it. I know not everybody does, but to me, it sums up the theme of the shows. The helmets, uh, are still differentiated where everybody is still kind of like, even though there's the uniformity, there's a bit of a uniqueness to each ranger with each visor. So I gotta give the, I gotta give that shout out. There's other seasons that do this better. Um, but Turbo still, still picks it up. I've always said the suits. Um, if not the show it came from. Moving on. Uh, number nine is from the most recent, uh, not the most recent, but one of the most recent seasons of Power Rangers. Uh, this is from, uh, I want to say Go-Go Busters. <laughs> oh boy, Beast Morphers. Sorry, I think Go-Go Busters was the Sentai, um, and I'm probably wrong, but moving on. Uh, what I dig about these suits is how unique they are. Um, like, I almost, like, I love how different these are. Most of the Power Ranger suits, they're like, these are the superhero suits that someone would morph into. It wraps around the entire body or they step into, and then they zip up the front or the back. Now, with these, you can picture someone, like, putting on the pants. The pants have friggin' pockets, it looks like. Uh, and then the boots, and then the awesome coat. Like, it's it's borderline athletic wear. It's it's borderline parkour. Like, you, you could see this as, like people being inspired by the Power Rangers, getting a bit of those powers, and just uh, then making these suits accordingly. I don't know. I know that's not what happened in the show, but aside from the Robo Ranger here, I just have always dug these suits. They're unique enough. They're different. Um, they don't look like anything that's come before or since. Uh, there's other there's other suits that you'll even see later on the list that have almost like the jacket thing, but it still looks similar enough to the other suits that you're like, this is, this is, you, it falls in line with what came before. Even though this, you're like, this is in line, this, this separates it a bit. Um, it's, it's quite unique and that's what makes them stand out. Uh, next up we have from my favorite season, RPM. And I'll admit, I could have put these suits slightly like in, in the 10th place instead of turbo. One, my bias wouldn't allow me, uh, cause RPM is my favorite season of the show. Um, and no offense to In Space, In Space is probably my second favorite season. It's just RPM, I think, has even further darker po- like themes than In Space. And there's so much to chew, even though it does retread some stuff from In Space and doesn't do the retread as well as In Space did the original. Um, it still did some other things just so well. Um, but what also edges it out over Turbo for me is the, the Sentai it was based on 
was car themed, but it was also animal themed. And these suits pull that off. Uh, you get the car theme, of course, with the headlights on the helmets, um, as well as the uh, the friggin' almost tires that do do some spinning action in the show on the at the top of the wrists, almost its gauntlets, and at the top of the boots, um, and then of course almost the seatbelt V uh, for the for the main five, and then the the helmet like the helicopter slash uh, jet seatbelt for the. Um, for the Gold and Silver Rangers. Um, but you get that, the car theme, uh, with, like, those aesthetics, but then the animal theme and the way the logoed numbers are, as well as some of the details on the helmets. Uh, I, I really dig the balance that they struck, because Power Rangers also has, like, so many times the the seasons are based on animal-themed, dinosaur-themed, or or ninja-themed, or whatever, or space-themed, but this one, like, it strikes the balance of both. Um, Like, they're not my absolute favorite suits, but because they aesthetically balance both, it's one of the, it's one of the few times we get both a black and a green ranger, um, and I just, I love the show. The show is awesome. Uh, so that is my number... Okay, so Turbo was 10. Uh, I almost said Mystic Force. That's coming up. Um, Beast Morphers was 9. RPM is my number 7. My number 6 is Power Rangers in Space, which is debatably one of the best seasons of the show. It's it's my number two. I know for Nathan, it's number one. And for a lot of the fandom, it's number one. Um, or it's consistently up there. I really dig these suits. Um, it very much is in theme of what came before. Um, it's still got the, it's also something that introduces like a uniformity, um, more so than preceding seasons. Uh, like the Ranger colors are featured most prominently on these suits than any, than almost any of the ones that came before, with the exception of the Alien Ranger suits. Um, but I like the the stripe across the center with the individual ranger colors, except for the sixth ranger. Um, and then what st- makes them stand out to me the most is the the helmets. Uh, the helmets have your traditional the mouth, but without the actual lip indentations because that always kind of looked weird to me. Uh, other suits have it, and they I'll roll with it. But still, um, the visors are nice. But then the the additional black on the top of the helmet. That's cool, and that's not something we had really gotten before. Uh, I think we got it a little bit in Turbo, but it looks be- the balance of it looks better in here. I've always loved the suits from In Space, um, the uniformity, but still everybody stands out. I dig it. I dig them. Uh, so that is why they are my number six. My number five uh, comes from the first official Disney season, um, because Wild Force is technically a Disney season, but it's still grouped in with the Saban era. Um is from Ninja Storm. Now, Ninja Storm, it's okay, but what I dig is, again, the suits. Um, it, we've had a number of ninja-themed seasons, uh, with Power Rangers. Um, Alien Ranger was very ninja, um, because it was coming from a ninja-based Sentai, Kaku Ranger. Um, but these have, these stand out more than those, but they don't get as busy as later ones do, looking at you, um, Jungle Fury, and especially Ninja Seal. Although, although those still are cool, I find these have 
a great balance of the colors are a little bit lighter than normal, but it makes sense when you've got the Navy Ranger and the Crimson Ranger, as well as your red and blue Rangers. Um, but then like, so the colors stand out a bit more having gray instead of your, your traditional white as a highlight on the sleeves is, is unique, uh, for Rangers. If gray I'm noticing does start to seep into the palette more, but traditionally it's white having the white for the gloves and the neck is nice. The helmets, uh, the helmets look great. The standout suit is of course the green Ranger one, uh, which has one of the better looking shields, um, the, the shield looks awesome. It's a great throwback to the one that you got from Mighty Morphin, the Green Ranger in the Mighty Morphin era. Um, just just a gorgeous, gorgeous suit. Um, these suits are great, and that's why they're at number five. Uh, no, number six? Yeah, because five, four, three, two, one. Yep. Okay, so they're, they're my number six. Number five, sorry, I can't count, uh, is <laughs> Mystic Force, which is one of my lesser favorite seasons just because it's too Red Ranger focused. Um, and as much as you can make the joke with the uh, the original run of Power Rangers through the first half of Turbo, it became the Tommy Oliver show guest starring the Power Rangers. Uh, the other Rangers had enough personality and everything and charm where you're like, nah, I can still focus on them. Mystic Force, it's Red Ranger focus was too much to me anyway. The other characters didn't get developed enough. The magic theme is intriguing, but these suits are gorgeous. Um, the color palette is wonderful. They're a little bit darker while still being vibrant. The helmets are with the visors are unique looking. Um, the gold with the black on the highlight, not as much white, makes it stand out. The capes are what make it borderline majestic. Just, just a beautiful suit. Not a great season, or even a good one, but great suits. Um, which is why they're at my number five. Number four comes from one of the worst seasons of the show, Super Megaforce. Megaforce sucks. Super Megaforce sucks even more. It's one of my least favorite seasons of the show. It's probably my second least favorite uh, worst is Overdrive, and Overdrive has the worst suits, period, too. Fight me. I know there's some fans of them. I'm not one of them. Uh, but say what you will about the show. These suits are, again, gorgeous. Uh, the Sentai it was from is a pirate theme, and the pirate theme is very unique. Um, for Power Rangers, it's one that doesn't show up. It's the only time a like a pirate theme for the Rangers has shown up. I believe it's the only time it did for the Sentai in a Sentai as well. Uh, the jackets with the pop collars are cool. The helmets uh, are nice. The black uh, being featured predominantly is great. The white being lesser focused is awesome. Uh, it's just, I, I just... I love these suits. I wish the 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 show was half even even half as good as the suits. Um, these suits deserve a much better show, <laughs> but they're 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 just beautiful looking. Uh, hence being at number four. Number three is uh, from Power Rangers SPD, um, which is a good season, not the best. Um, it's one of the ones where the Rangers are almost, they are a police force. You got that with Time Force, you got that with Lightspeed Rescue, um, and then of course with SPD. Um, but where I'd say, like these suits stand out to me more 
then the light force, uh, sorry, the, the light speed rescue and the time force suits where time force is a much better season. Um, SPD, what I dig about it is the, the shades on the suits are, are great, but they stand out more, uh, than the other ones. There is a uniformity, but there is a bit of a uniqueness to them. Uh, also the thing that throws off, throws, um, time force off the, off the list for me is I don't like color on the visors. I don't know why. I just don't. To me, it's got to be the clear, the, the, the jet black. I don't know why. It just does. Um, <laughs> that's just how I am. Uh, but these where it's a predominantly, like predominantly the color, but then the white outlining the number of the ranger, uh, and then the one sleeve black, I just dig the heck out of the look of these. It was unique from everything, from a lot of things that came before. Later seasons, including the most recent one, would try to do this, where it's like one sleeve being different, and they don't pull it off as well. SPD, solid season. Excellent suits. Number three is uh, the most dramatic departure that we had from the original Power Rangers one with Zeo. Uh, because for the first three seasons, even though the sent like they were adapting from three different Sentais um, as it went, they went into Die Ranger, and that's where we got the White Ranger costume. A little bit more on that later. Um, and then Kaku Ranger for Alien Ranger and the Ninja and the Ninja Megazord and the Shogun Megazord. Um, they still kept the Zoo Ranger suits from the original Mighty Morphin season. When we got to Zeo, that's where it's like, okay, you know what? We're going to use more footage and we're going to get the suits uh, along with the enemies and the Zords. And I always dug the heck out of these suits. Um, the mystic technology theme is is a bit different. Uh, the geometry on <laughs> the visors makes it unique. I like that the mouthpieces are still within the color, almost that you don't see them. Uh, the, the gold tech with the white not being as predominant, I dig. It fits with what came before. It sets up what comes later. The, the uniqueness of the visors being like almost having the edges that a like the ranger number would have. Pink was the first one, so no edges. Um, then two, having the two almost pills. And then three, having the diamond. Four, having the rectangle. And five, having the star. I just always dug that. Uh, I've always dug the suits. Zeo was a great season. Um, one of my favorites, and I just, I always dug the suits, and that's why it's at my number two. My number one is, of course, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, it's just, it's it's the suit that you almost always compare it to. It is the classic go-to of the of the Ranger outfits. It, it's just, they're great. It might not be as artistic as some of the other suits that we've seen on this list, but it's still your go-to comparison. The visors work great. Um, the white diamond accents are awesome. Uh, the predominant colors, like it's what you, it, it's, it's, these were iconic, uh, which is weird to describe it as, but Power Rangers at its height was huge. Uh, these, like, these stood out, uh, and they are basically what you, you can always, they're your baseline comparison. Um, even though I'd say other suits stand out more, these are, when you think Power Rangers most of the time, this is what you think of. Um, I like the unique designs on the, the helmets, even though you're like, no, nah, there's uniformity, there's still some uniqueness to each one. The Green Ranger shield, now this picture is from 
Uh, Zoo Ranger, because you can tell how good the shield looks. If it was from Mighty Morphin, then it would be flimsy looking because the prop got destroyed on the on the mail trip over. But it still works. These are classic suits, and that's why they're my number one. Um, I want to do some shout-outs uh, just from some other suits in particular. Um, this one I'm quickly showing. This is a creation from the Boom Studios comic. This is uh, Lord Draken, or Dracone. I've heard it pronounced both ways. I believe it's Draken, uh, who is an alternate universe version of Tommy, where he was the evil Green Ranger, who then got the white power. So you get this awesome fusion sort. I just dig this suit a lot. It's a really cool suit. Uh, a shout out to suits that never got into the show that I kind of wish had, and you'll see one that did, is these are the Die Ranger suits. Die Ranger is a very fun and one of the most enjoyed of the Sentais. I've been slowly working my way through it. I dig the heck out of it, and I really, really dig these suits. I wish they had adapted them into the show. I know they can't now. They kind of did in Super Mega Force, and it's like, it makes no sense uh, that they did. It was lazy editing, but it was still kind of like, as a fan of the suits, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I just really, really dig these costumes, the white vest, the little symbol, but then of course the unique, uh, the unique helmets and visors. I just, I love the, the die ranger stuff. Um, and then this is the gold Zia ranger. And I deliberately didn't include him in the group shot when I was talking Zio because I wanted to shout it out. This is my favorite power ranger suit period. Uh, every, like a lot of people point to the, the original green ranger with his awesome shield and the white ranger also having the awesome shield. To me, the gold Zia ranger is the best one with a shield. He looks like a tank. And when they introduce him, they introduce him as a tank. He's walking through everybody and he's got pyramidus. And then he later becomes Jason, who's my favorite red ranger and favorite ranger period. But I've always dug the gold ranger suit to me it is it is like as much as i've even described some of the others as beautiful and majestic that's the gold ranger suit in a nutshell it it looks gangster it fits with zeo but if the gold ranger were show up anywhere else i'd be like y'all are done like look at this dude he's a tank <laughs> All right, this went longer than most of our shorts did, but uh, and it was also my third time trying, but I'm like, you know what? I'm powering through. Um, thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoyed this, even though it's just me madly rambling about uh, favorite suits from, from Power Rangers. I still hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again so much for your love and support and your prayers. Hope you're all having a wonderful day. Have a wonderful Easter this coming weekend. Praying for you guys. Love y'all. Uh, to my patrons, I'll be getting the... Um, you'll have early access to next week's... At episode um uh later this week i know most of the time i try to get it wednesday but because i've been feeling sick i've been feeling off so there you go uh it is coming for you and everyone hope you have a wonderful day stay safe god bless my friends and take care peace
Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're watching One Cross Video. And today we are doing another short, and we're doing another ranked. Uh, just because I'll be entirely honest, it's super fun doing the ranked. Uh, it's very low key, and low key is what I need. Uh, you'll notice I might be rushing a little bit quicker. It's because I'm recording this while I'm on a break from work, and my anxiety is a little bit high. So I'm like, you know what? I'm getting that energy out. I'm getting that energy out before the the rest of my shift. Uh, before I'm done. So here we go. We are ranking the live action Batmobiles that have been in movies. Um, and there's been seven. It's bonkers. There's been seven. Um, all right. So we're just going to kick it off. I'm going to go with uh, my number one. Again, these are my personal rankings. Uh, I know it's up for, I know it's up for discussion and all that jazz and blah, 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 blah. But I mean, what were you going to do? All right. So number seven is this monstrosity <laughs> from uh, from Batman and Robin. Um, I want to like this Batmobile more. There's aspects of it I kind of dig. The length is kind of cool. It actually in some way reminds me of the length from the awesome Batman the Animated Series Batmobile, which is one of my favorites. Um, but this does not have that. Um, I even like the wings at the back. That's kind of cool. But the thing that drops this to dead last for me is the the... The open canopy. Like, he's Batman. He f he has villains that he faces that have guns. Deadshot is a villain of his. He could get killed in this thing by Deadshot. And that just automatically drops it to the last. If it's an open canopy, it's, it's going to rank lower for me. And there's one Batmobile later that's, uh, that's higher because it's got a cool look. But it, it technically could have been... Uh, number, number six for, uh, like number six or set six for me, but I, I had to resist. Um, but yeah, the Batman and Robin, uh, Batmobile dead last it's, it's length is cool, but the open canopy is what kills it because Batman could easily die in it. No problem. What happens if the Batmobile flips? Guess what? There's nothing protecting his head. Dude's dead. Uh, next up we have the, uh, the bat tank. Um, from Batman versus Superman and Justice League. Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't dig this so much. I get what it was going for. It's Batman fighting Superman. It's, it's again, Frank Miller's murder Batman. So Batman's going to have the weapons on it and all that. Um, but coming off of the Tumblr, we already had a tank and I found that one a bit more unique. Like not that this is bad, doesn't have an open canopy or anything. Um, so he is completely sealed and safe, but still, um, it's just when we had a sick tank motif already with, uh, with the Tumblr, with more hidden weapons, um, instead of like front mounted machine guns. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's just lower on the list for me. Um, it's, it, it's a Batmobile that could have been better. Much like Ben Affleck's Batman could have been much better. None of that is Batflex's fault. <laughs> uh, number five is the most recent Batmobile to hit the big screen. This is from Matt Reeves' The Batman. Now, if I was putting this on, if, like, the only thing that was going to make the rankings is how awesome it was in the scene it was primarily featured in, then this would be, like, number two. Um, but... I can't just base it on the gangster scene that it got in the movie. And what makes it rank so low for me is it's, it's to me, this is fairly unimaginative. It's a souped up muscle car 
And I get that that's in a way what they were going for, but that's still, I, I, like, my bat, I like my Batmobiles to have an artistic flair, something that makes them stand out and make them unique. And not just like anybody who's got a bit of excess money and uh, knows how to soup up muscle cars. Like this is something that could easily be in like Fast and the Furious, which sure, but it's not Batman enough for me, but I still like it more than the other two. So that's why it's at number five. Uh, number four is the Batmobile from the 60s Batman show, the Adam West. And where it counts as from the movie is from the 66 Batman movie with Adam West. Um, what I like about it is it's, it is based on like an existing car, but it's got the artistic flair that makes it stand out to make it Batman-y. I actually really dig the black and red color screen, uh, color scheme. It at least has a window, uh, so there's something blocking the face and it could be like, it could technically be bulletproof, uh, but still it's got the open canopy and that's what keeps it from further up for me. Um, but otherwise I really, really dig this one. It is a classic for a reason. Um, and it's one of the better things that holds up from the show for, for me. I've always dug this Batmobile. Um, it's, it's mostly the color scheme and the, the raised back, the, the artistic flair to the car that, that raises it up for me. Uh, next up, our number three, this one's going to be the most controversial one, I think. Uh, this is the Batmobile from Batman Forever. Now, I'm going to include a second shot to show what it looks like with the lights on because I know some people are like, oh, it's too bright. It's too much of a mess. I honestly don't get why it gets the hate it does. Um, like, yes, it's brighter than the Burton Mobile, but it still looks, to me, it looks awesome. Um, I really dig the the way the tires are. I dig that the back tires have uh, like almost a bat fin, like looking like the top of the wing, along with the thing on the top. It has a thing that conceals him so he's, you know, not getting shot. Or if the car flips over, he doesn't die. Um, it was like the bat tech in Batman Forever was dope. Uh, even if the movie wasn't. The, the bat plane in that movie, awesome. The bat mobile in this one, also awesome. Just dig it. I just dig the crap out of this design. This is what it looks like with the lights on. So I get it. It's not everybody, but to me, I just dig it. It, it stands out. I dig it more than Val Kilmer's Batman. Um, but I, I say what you will about the Batman forever. The tech, the bat tech in the movie was, was pretty dope, especially the Batmobile. Uh, number two is the Tumblr. Uh, and of course it came in black. Now I'm pretty sure this shot is from uh, Batman uh, from the Dark Knight, but when we got introduced to it in in Batman Begins, it was it was dope. It's the, at this point the greatest departure in terms of Batmobiles, but because it is very unique, uh, it is somewhat real. I'd say somewhat realistic, but I like how much it stands out and it makes sense for that Batman. And even though you could say the same thing about the Pat's mobile, um, this isn't just a souped up car. Um, it is in ways a tank, but it looks unique enough and different enough. And that scene we got with its introduction in Begins with uh, the track Molossus, which in a way became the Batman theme for that trilogy, was just so dope that I'm like, yeah, no, the Tumblr is my number two. My, it's, I just love it. I've always loved it uh, since its introduction. I love how different it is. Um, there's other ones where I'm like, yeah, it's more Batman. But when I look at this, I'm like, yeah, no, this is still Batman and it's dope. Um, my number one 
is the the Burton Batmobile that we got in Batman Returns um, and the 89 Batman movie. I just love the look of this. The length, the different front, the, the raised uh, w wings on the side. It's just awesome. For live action Batmobiles, I think this is the go-to. And it's not even the first. It is the first, like, for my generation but this it this becomes the point of comparison and say what you will about the the burton movies um and them not necessarily being the most like comic accurate batman this seems like a very comic book batman batmobile uh this is a thing of beauty and yes there are murder bat aspects to it because i mean tim burton's batman has no problem killing people left right and center like we saw in batman returns where he like kills three people immediately but if you take the guns away from the car, it's still a dope car. Uh, so I just wanted to share a, a Batmobile list. Uh, it weirdly came up yesterday as I was celebrating um, Easter with some family. We just ended up talking Batmobiles. Maybe I'll do an animated one, but that one would be much longer and I would not be able to record it while I'm on a break from work. All that being said, I hope you enjoyed today's OCR short. Let me know what, uh, what where you drank the Batmobiles and I hope you're having a wonderful day. Stay safe and God bless my friends. Peace! This is Chris, and you're watching One Cross Video, and we are back with an OCR short. Sorry I was away last week. Uh, there was a lot going on. Um, just some stuff I can't get into, and a lot of life stuff, uh, and a very packed work week. Uh, so it was just one of those like, hey, uh, I can force myself to get to it, but it's not going to be good. Or I can take the time to RR, uh, which was needed. Um, I guess I'll share here. Uh, my doctors and I are trying to find a right level of medication for me with the anxiety and depression. And it was, things were spiking a bit as well. Uh, so it was like, hey, time to increase. And there's a couple day adjustment period to that. Uh, so that was all factored in with uh, not having a short last week. Um, and not the anxiety stuff so much, but the busy work week was why, um, was also why we went with, uh, the shared, uh, the reshare episode, um, which was so much fun. And, uh, generally I like doing the reshares anyway, but it was just very copacetic where I'm like, man, I'm not going to have time to record or put out anything that I feel good about. Uh, and then 
Nathan and Travis were super kind. So again, thank you, gents, um, for the reshare and <laughs> seeing it's getting some downloads and it's a lot of fun. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, so today's OCR short is, uh, is going to be short because I'm walking with Luna and my knee hurts. That's not really relevant, uh, but I have to pay attention to my surroundings. Um, so today's topic is a light one, actually. Um, there's been a lot of heavy stuff going on and I might get to some of that at some point. We'll see. Um, but for my sanity and y'all's sanity, sometimes we need to keep it light, so I'm going to. Um, and I'll also say there will be uh, one cross episode coming on Doctor Strange in a bit, because um, I saw it and we will be recording with Steve, uh, my good buddy Steve. Um, miss you, buddy. And uh, we've been dropping some Patreon exclusive episodes. So I dabbled with this being one, but then I'm like, you know what, now, nah, uh, maybe I'll do a deeper dive on this for the patrons. Um, but today's topic, uh, which I've been failing to get to for about, yeah, three minutes, is we're going to call it fan productions. Uh, you could jokingly name it fanfic, because to a degree, that's what some of this stuff is. But I think fanfic does have uh, some negative connotation. And I'd say for good reason, because some of it is just, uh, and it's stuff that you never ever want to see. Um, if anybody's fans of Supernatural, they make they make jokes about the fanfic at one point where uh, I think it's uh, Dean Jensen Eccles goes like, they know we're brothers, right? Um, which tells you about certain areas of fanfic. Um, but fanfic, fan productions, fan film, it, it used to have like a negative connotation, right? Because it would just be looked at, at as low budget, like three people goofing off with painted wood pretend, and bathrobes pretending to be Jedi. But we're... <laughs> uh, the phrase like, we live in a time. No, but for real, we live in a time where things are a lot more accessible now and a lot more doable. Um, <clears throat> so you can get some really good, high quality fan productions now that you simply weren't able to in the past. Now, granted at times budget is still going to play into it. Um, like how someone does it, if they're able to get the right recording equipment, the right level of talent, um, and all that, like that's, that's going to have an impact. Um, it's going to have an impact on how long a thing takes. So a while ago I did an episode on some Star Wars fan productions that were really really good um, and I'll still shout them out here. The uh, the KOTOR trilogy was was excellent and they're still doing some stuff. Um, I've shouted out Power Rangers the audio drama. It is utterly spectacular. Um, that's the best thing going on in Power Rangers fandom period. And you could look at that as an indictment on Power Rangers, but I mean, I don't think it is, because as much as I love me the Rangers, I understand that the bread and butter of it, <laughs> like, I'm not the age bracket for it. I'm not the target demo. Um, and the comics, even though they mature up, it's still, it's still different where this, like this scratches that itch for me and that's awesome. Um, and it's, 
it's what I'd love to see the films take a crack at because I think it's got that way of making Power Rangers accessible to people over 18 without it being gross. Um, there's an excellent um, fan production based on Star Trek Voyager. If you look on Apple Podcasts, I found it through Spotify. Uh, if you search Voyager Season 8, it's fantastic. Now, it's a person adapting a, sh- adapting a show almost like an audio novel. So that, if you're a Star Trek fan and you're used to how, especially how the show in the 90s focused on like the, the episodes, the webs, the ebbs and flows, and you didn't have like narration painting the picture of what the character was feeling or thinking, like that's going to be the adjustment. But the idea of following up season seven, which with what hypothetically could have been season eight, adapting it into a new medium and still delivering, it's just friggin' outstanding. Um, I highly, highly recommend it. Right now there's about four episodes. It picks up right where the show left off and it feels very, very organic. Um, I think I described it as like Voyager coming back to, well, you could say from watching the show post-Voyager, but I'd also say like, think of the dark tones, some of the dark lessons learned in DS9, where, hey, not everything in this utopia is so bright. Um, that's, that's what's popping in, uh, Voyager season eight. And it's, it's outstanding. I can't wait for more. I honestly can't. Um, and that, that one is what I consider a great fan production. The Power Rangers one, you got other ones of interesting levels of like production and everything, but they're still good. Um, I can't remember who made it, but I just listened to it yesterday. Now, they had said, like, hey, we realized because the actual full script, the full original treatment of what would have become Schumacher's third Batman movie, points called Triumphant, but um, I believe the original pitch was called Unchained. Um, like, they're like, this is probably, we couldn't find the original. The only thing we could find was probably a fan script, but it seemed legit enough. Um, you listen to it it's not bad it's not bad production but you can also tell like hey it doesn't have the resources of like the passion project that is power rangers the audio drama from carl dutton or x-men the audio drama also from carl dutton um over at uh scyther podcasts um those are just tippity top um like this one you could tell like the person had a passion for it I think it's just one or two or three people. The voices are okay, but they add music from the films, which helps with the setting. Um, And it was very interesting. It made what I appreciate about it, and it's something we're starting to see like actual production studios doing. Um, Like Alien, the the original Alien 3 um, audio drama, which wasn't the original pitch, but it was William Gibson's one. That one got released and was a lot of fun. But a lot of the fan production stuff is a way to explore even some of these previously unreleased pitches and versions where you're like, I see how this didn't get made, but I'm still curious about it. Um, And 
that that fan audio drama of Unchained softened me on the flick. Like, I was interested before, and now I'm more interested. I still wouldn't want it as a full-fledged movie, but, like, an animated movie? Yeah, color me interested. Um, there's just some really good fan stuff out there, and it's not just the bad things it used to be. And that's basically it. This video is just me recommending some fan stuff for you to check out. Uh, there's another one I've heard good things about. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. It's called Unworthy Productions. It's a Power Rangers one. Um, heard fun things about it. Looks cool. Um, about to check out a audio drama based on the, uh, the Kevin Smith treatment for Superman Lives. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, man. There's just some really good stuff. And I guess if I was to distill this down... It'd be when you see the word fan uh, adaptation or fan drama or something attached to it, don't immediately dismiss it. I think we're well past, well past those points. There can be some really outstanding fan-fueled content uh, for stuff that we enjoy. Um, heck, uh, fan film, Star Trek fan film, Battle of Axanar. Battle of Axanar is dope. Um, a lot of acts in our drama though so i'm not gonna get into that too much but the actual effort was beyond dope um and there's just a lot of good fan story content out there that's not just awkward weird internet fanfic um or dudes with painted mop sticks in bathrobes pretending to be jedi <laughs> there's there's some really really good content out there well worth checking out and have an open mind. Have an open mind to it. All right. All that being said, I hope y'all are being safe. I hope you're staying cool. If it's hot for you and if it's cold, I hope you're staying warm. If you're staying safe. Uh, if you're in Ontario, like me, you got an election coming up. All I'm going to say is pray. <laughs> if you're a believer, pray for this process. Not that the person you vote for would win, but that the right person will win, even if that's not your person. Um, and even if you don't like who gets in, still pray for them. We are called to pray for everyone. <laughs> all right. All that being said, hope you all have a wonderful day. Take care and God bless my friends. Peace.